In Puerto Rico, there's adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the U.S. Get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico and that remind you why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island, it becomes a part of you. No passports required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone, this is Chuck, and welcome to Stuff You Should Know Saturday Selects. I'm picking this one this week from July 19th, 2012. Did a cow start the Great Chicago Fire? Uh, you all know I love my history episodes, uh, especially those where we can set some things straight that history uh, you might have gotten wrong, um, in class at least, as a kid. And uh, we talk at great length today about the Great Chicago Fire, uh, one of the great tragedies in American history. Um, give it a listen, and I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you have a great weekend. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck O'Brien. Uh, I guess that makes me the cow. <laughs> this is stuff you should know. Daisy the cow? Mm-hmm. Is it the Borden cow? No, that's Lizzie. No, they wouldn't have named the Borden cow Lizzie. <laughs> That'd be bad. Yeah. Bad marketing move. Now, apparently Elsa. This, Elsie. Elsie? Yeah. Apparently this cow was either Daisy, Madeline, or Gwendolyn. There's been different accounts. Well, one of the cows there wasn't even hers. Who's, who are we talking about? Maybe we should clue everybody in. Um, okay. Chuck. Yes. Have you ever seen fire? Yes. Well, there happened to be one uh, akin to what you saw, except it was massive. Uh, as a matter of fact, Chuck, let's go back in the Wayback Machine. Oh, yes. It's been a while. All right. Here, blow blow the dust off. <laughs> Flux capacitor up. Flexing. Man. Jerry hated that. Uh, I, I think it's still working. Let me press a couple buttons here. All right. Yep, yep, okay, up. all right, let's Tumble. go. Here we go. Chicago. Wait, oh, enter the year. Oh, yeah. Uh, 1871. Let's go. Enter the date. Oh, uh, October 8th. Okay. It's a Sunday. Maybe we should go back on a Saturday and stop it. Nah, we're not supposed to do that. No, that's right. Contract. Space time continuum and all yeah. that. Okay, so here we are, Chuck. What a dump. Yeah, it smells like the death of cows and the manure yeah. that they excrete. Because Chicago is a huge stockyard town, if you can't tell. The um, World's Fair is 22 years off. Ghostbusters is uh, 113 years away. Did you just do that in your head? Yeah. Okay. This is just like basically the middle of nowhere, temporally speaking. Is that my Yeah. Okay. 1871, 1984 minus 1871 is 113. Okay. Am I wrong? No, I think it's right. Oh, okay. 
Man, we just had a math argument in, I can't do uh, math. in Chicago in the 19th century. <laughs> you think we were throwing darts or something? So anyway, there's there's some there's some things I want to point out to you, Chuck. Do you see the streets are paved with wood? Yeah, and this sidewalk we're on is wooden. Yeah, and uh, like 90% of the structures around here are all wood. Everything's wood. I want you to make note of that. Okay. Also, make note of the um, the temperature. It's October, and yet it's like in the uh, the 80s right now. It's pretty hot, and it's been it was really dry this summer. Dry. Do you see all this dust? Mm -hmm. A lot of it, again, is dry cow manure, just kind of floating around. Um, But it's also it's because there there hasn't been any rain at all. Okay. Yeah. Are you ready to go? Yeah, let's get out of here. Let's have a steak first. A milk steak. All right. Are we back? And we're back. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Chuck, um, that was a pretty good steak. Huh? Yeah. Nothing like a good milk steak. So what was about to happen, and I'm, I really do feel for these people for not being able to stop it, especially the 300 who are about to die. 300 people will die because we were too busy filling our faces with steak rather than warning anybody. Yeah. But that's the that's the way of history. That's right. You can't change it. Um What's about to happen is what's known as the Great Chicago Fire of October 8th, 1871. Um, 300 people will die. 3.5 square miles of the city will be utterly destroyed. 18,000 structures. Yeah, I've got some stats here, if I may. Please. Because you hear about the Great Chicago Fire in the 1800s. It's easy now to say, like, oh, yeah, that was a heck of a fire. Yeah. But, dude, it was insane how big this fire was. I know. The West Division, they were divided into divisions back in the day. Okay. 194 acres burned, uh, 500 buildings, 2,250 people homeless. South Division, 460 acres burned. Uh, This is like where all the expensive stuff was. This is where county seat, the courthouse, the newspapers, the law offices, the banks, all the good stuff. Mm -hmm. 3,650 buildings 28 hotels, uh, 21,000 people homeless. When you say buildings, you're saying utterly destroyed, burned yes, to the ground. burned to the ground. Um, North Division, most devastating, 1,470 acres burned out of the 2,500 acres in that division. So almost the whole division burned. Yeah. Uh, 13,000 buildings burned. I'm sorry. Yeah, 13,000 buildings burned, <laughs> 74,000 homeless. In total, because Molly, she did a good job, but... She really didn't hammer home how severe this was. In total, uh, 2,124 acres burned. Wow. Um, 17,450 buildings burned to the ground, and almost 100,000 people, which is a third of the city, were homeless. Yeah. And if you go and type in Google Earth, Great Chicago Fire, and hit images, it has a picture of modern-day Chicago, and it has in red what was the fire, and it's like... It looks like 75% of the city. Wow, that's really neat. Yeah, it's really, really scary. And neat. And neat. So the whole thing came to uh, damages, surprisingly, for that much of Chicago. Um, I guess there wasn't a lot of valuable stuff there. Just uh, $192 million worth of damage. Yeah. So which $3.5 billion now. Oh, so that's in that that eras yeah okay yeah that's okay that makes a lot more sense yeah um so it was a huge fire it was an enormous fire and again like 300 people lost their lives yeah it was i think it's number three all time in the u.s behind uh world trade center and um chicago or san francisco san francisco i'll bet 
And uh, the, the crazy thing about this fire is just about everybody points to the same location as the source. Today, back then, yeah. it was um, in a barn at 137 DeCoven Street. And that barn did happen to belong to a woman named Mrs. O'Leary, Catherine Kate O'Leary. And Mr. O'Leary. Yeah, Mr. and Mrs. O'Leary and their children um, lived uh, at 137 DeCoven Street. They had a house. They rented a, another house to another family that was right in front of them. And then behind them was the barn. And in the barn, they had uh, three cows. Three cows. Yeah. No, five cows total, I think. Okay. Five cows, I believe a... Uh, a calf and a horse. And then also in this barn, wooden mm-hmm. barn, two tons of hay and two tons of coal. And apparently like hundreds of pounds of wood shavings. Which they kept to use as kindling. And their pyromaniac nephew in a straitjacket. <laughs> yeah. It was just pretty much a big accident waiting to happen. Yeah, and you, you mentioned that they owned another house, but they were poor. They weren't like some rich family that no. owned these houses. Like, they were a poor family. Right. Um, Mr. O'Leary, he was a laborer. I couldn't find what kind. He was. They were definitely working class. Yeah. And Mrs. O'Leary um, sold her milk in the neighborhood. But they were on welfare, as I understand it. Yeah, and ridiculously, the Chicago uh, Chicago Tribune claimed early on that one of her motives was that she was booted off of welfare when they found out, when the city found out that she was selling her milk. And she was like, I'll get you. I'll burn the city down. Right. and um, Which this is, is ridiculous. Starting with all my stuff. This is the Chicago Tribune, still around today. Yeah. Um, the the Tribune, immediately they pointed to the O'Leary's as the um, source of the fire. It was either Mrs. O'Leary or another Tribune reporter made up the idea that it was possibly her cow, a guy named Michael Ahern, um, later confessed to just making up the cow story. And so Mrs. O'Leary's cow kicking over a lantern and setting the barn on fire that started the Great Chicago Fire gained a lot of traction before um, Ahern ever admitted to making it up, I think, many years later. Yeah, apparently he was uh, quite quite the drunkard. A newspaper reporter in 19th century (laughs) Chicago was a drunkard? Hard to believe. Huh. So, you're right. Over the years, through song and legend and story... Mrs. O'Leary's cow was always blamed. And if you ask people on the street, Jay Leno style, <laughs> I bet eight out of ten people would say, if they have heard of the Great Chicago Fire, mm-hmm. that it was started by a, a cow of right. some sort. And then Jay Leno's NBC lawyers would serve you with cease and desist papers. Yeah. And Jay Leno would go, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, one of the other reasons that this cow has persisted for so long, this cow legend, is not just because it's like it makes a great story, like a cow set Chicago on fire. Yeah. Um, but also because they never really figured out who the source was. Mrs. O'Leary just kind of went down um, a- in history as this, as the, the villainous, whether it was accidental or on purpose, uh, or at the very least the causer of the Great Chicago Fire. It was her barn. Yeah. No matter which way you slice it. Right, exactly. Um, and this was despite like an exhaustive inquiry. I mean, you were saying it's an enormous fire. Chicago burned. They did a really big investigation into this. There was 1,100 pages of testimony taken, all taken by shorthand. Some really? poor court stenographer took it all by hand. Oh, man. Um, and they still never figured it out. But history has shown us possibly who the culprit was. But let's talk about um, let's talk about Mrs. O'Leary first and, and why she may or may not have been culpable. Okay, um, she testified 
that her neighbors and was it in the house that they were renting from her? Yeah, the McLaughlins in the house in front of hers. Okay. Yes. Um, she said they threw a big party. They were all partying, and some of them went into my barn to get milk for uh, milk steak. <laughs> for oysters. Milk. Either oysters or a punch that required milk. You yeah. Know? A milk punch. I looked it up. Milk punch is a thing. It's uh, oh, yeah. sugar and vanilla and bourbon and milk. Yeah. Which sounds... Well, there's a lot of different milk punches. It sounds disgusting. It's got the bourbon in it. Yeah, just drink the bourbon. <laughs> right. And milk with oysters sounds really disgusting. Yeah, too. I was really curious what that's like. But I mean, think yeah. about Oysters Rockefeller. That's cheesy. I mean, what's cheese if not milk at its heart? Yeah, I don't like the Rockefeller, though. I just go raw. I like it both ways. Really? Oh, yeah. Do you like them fried? Um, yeah, I'll eat oysters pretty much anyway, as long as they're good. Yeah, all right. So anyway, Mrs. O'Leary contends that the partiers, uh, the revelers, went into her barn seeking milk mm-hmm. for some odd meal time or drink time. We're sitting there milking the cow. We're like, yeah. oh, I'm so wasted. Yeah, exactly. And then kicked over a lantern, right? Either kicked over a lantern or, uh, you know, was smoking out there. Something happened. They yeah. don't know. Um, there was another suggestion as recently as 2004 that uh, Bila's comet split into pieces that night and chunks of it set fires in various points all over the Midwest mm-hmm. on the same night. Which is not possible. Not possible. Uh, scientists say that when a comet enters our atmosphere, it's not going to be, what, hot enough, a meteorite, to set a fire? Right. It's going to cool down too much to to be able to set a fire by the time it makes contact with the ground. So how did this have traction in 04, do you know? I, I couldn't find that. Fringe? Fringe I would science. imagine. A Bigfoot expert. <laughs> yeah. Um. So those are a couple of the other theories. Uh, um, what, about, what about Mrs. O'Leary herself? Oh, well, they said that she was out there milking the cows at night, and she said, no, I was asleep. She was asleep with a sore foot. And the, the piece of evidence that probably exonerates her more than any other is that none of her stuff was insured. Well, yeah, exactly. Like I said earlier, why would she burn down, especially in retribution, for being put off welfare, why would she burn her house down? Her livelihood. Her livelihood down. Possibly killing her 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 family her cows, which is like tantamount to killing the goose that laid the golden egg. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. The, it, the fact that it wasn't insured, it doesn't matter what kind of person she is. Right out the window. Nobody is going to do that on purpose. No. So at the very least, she didn't do it on purpose. Correct. But she also probably didn't do it on accident either. She probably really was in bed with a sore foot. No one saw her. There were no reports of any uh, of her being around the barn. Right. And how did Mr. O'Leary escape all this? Uh, I don't know. I wonder if he was at work or something. I I guess she was really strongly associated with the cow. I mean, yeah, you always only hear about her. Yeah. Mr. O'Leary is just like, I guess he enjoyed his anonymity. Well, she did, too. You're just like, it's her. As you find later on. <laughs> my cow. Right, exactly. He just didn't even say anything. Yeah. She's like, say something. <laughs> what? I don't want to be in the papers. Jeez. 
Hey there, are you thirsty? Well, before you take a sip, have you stopped to think about what's in your water? Many conventional bottled waters contain PFAS, harmful substances known as forever chemicals. But you can drink water as clean as nature intended. Richard's rainwater collects 100% pure, refreshing drops of rain. Yes, it really is rain, everybody. This rain is caught clean before it hits the ground or becomes polluted with pesticides and contaminants commonly found in groundwater. Yep, Richard's rainwater is naturally pure with no need for harsh chemicals or additives. That means no added fluoride, no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. And you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold-pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And we even have a special offer, don't we, Josh? Yeah, text STUFF to 2512-928887 and you'll get $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's rainwater. Sip the sky. Hey everybody, we're here to tell you about Viator, a tool that you can use to plan and book travel experiences around the world. That's right. The Viator app and website make it easy to explore 300,000 plus travel experiences so you can discover what's out there no matter where you're traveling or what you're interested in. Yep, Viator can help you plan better travel experiences. 300,000 plus travel experiences to choose from means you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. That's right. You can also enjoy real traveler reviews to get insider information from people who've already been on the experience that you're considering. Plus, you get free cancellation that helps you plan for the unexpected. Yeah, and Viator offers 24-7 customer service, so you know you'll get support at any hour if things aren't going as planned. So download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find the perfect travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So... (laughs) Where are we then? Uh, so, Mrs. O'Leary, we're going to go ahead and just kind of exonerate her at this point. Agreed. Which um, officially happened in 1997. Right. There was a guy named uh, Louis M. Cohn who went on to great wealth in Chicago. Uh, and later on, he, after he died, somebody came forward, I think in the 40s, and said, remember Louis Cohn? He told me that when he was 18, he was gambling in the O'Leary's barn with right. one of the O'Leary boys, which kind of holds water because James O'Leary went on to become one of the biggest gambling bosses in Chicago. Oh, really? One of the sons. Um, and we kicked over a lantern accidentally and set the, set the place on fire and we accidentally started the Chicago fire. Well, this guy was apparently kind of a boastful type, so it's possible that he made it up. Right. Because um, he even said I, I was winning at the time. Right. Like he bragged about it. Yeah. So, You've got all these people, and none of them really, though, can hold a candle, even Mrs. O'Leary herself, to one Daniel Pegleg Sullivan. <laughs> Why they call him Pegleg? Well, for a very good reason. He had one yes. wooden leg, and then went clop, clop, clop. That's right. And he testified, he testified, and it sort of became a case of, thou doth protest too much, sir. Yeah. Because he made up this story. Well, remember in the lying episode, it's like when you add stuff that yeah, doesn't yeah. need to be in exactly. there, it's usually a pretty good sign. And I'll bet he didn't use any contractions when he gave his testimony. <laughs> he did not, sir. And he's like, you want to know, I can't believe you want to know why 
I was sitting on the curb in front of someone else's house. You want to know? Then I will tell you. But I can't believe you want to know. <laughs> in the meantime, he's cooking this little story up. Yeah. He testified that he had uh, gone to visit the O'Leary's about 8 o'clock that night. Said Miss O'Leary was in bed. Um, again, no mention of Mr. O'Leary at all. Uh, after the visit, he apparently st- went to go home. See, this is what I don't get. It says that he started for home, but then later it says he passed his home. Right. And to smoke a pipe in front of William, William White's, White's home. House. Said, I'm just going to go have a little pipe smoke. For some reason, I'm going to walk by my house to do it mm-hmm. in front of Willie White's house. Do you know why? Here's why he said that. Because that places him near enough the fire that he could reasonably say he saw it. Yeah. But not so close to the McLaughlin's house. Like his house was closer to the McLaughlin's. That the partiers. That a partier could, yeah. could have been like, I didn't see you there. And I was standing right outside looking at in front of your house. Very clever. Mr. Yeah. Mr. Pegleg. Um, he claims that he spotted the fire and ran for help, screaming fire, 193 feet with his peg leg um, and tried to extinguish the fire and then escaped to the burning barn. Freeing animals, too. He, he freed the animals. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And he actually did do that. Oh, he did? Yes. Yeah, so this guy was there. He was, he was around the fire. But the problem is, is placing him on the curb in front of William White's house yeah. has some real problems. So no one disputes that this guy was near the fire. But exactly where that was changes everything. Right. So he he was a peg leg peg legged man, so he couldn't um he couldn't run fast. No. And certainly not close to two hundred feet. No one heard anybody shouting fire alongside the house. Right. It's definitely not him. So he he definitely didn't. Um another problem was is that he his mother kept a cow in the O'Leary barn and he admitted to frequently visiting the cow in the evenings. Oh, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then it's also possible that another man named um, Dan- Dennis Regan was present and was something of an accomplice or at least a, a sympathetic witness to Peg Leg. Right, because he had another part of the story that didn't quite add up. He was about a block away uh, in his home uh and he testified that he heard someone yelling fire, jumped out of bed to help. But Richard Bales, this attorney, modern-day attorney uh, for a title insurance company in Chicago, is the one that dug this all up, mm-hmm. pieced it together and said, how would this guy a block away have heard this? Right. And none of the other people, the O'Learys especially, not have heard this. Well, not only that, he got his hands on the um, property diagrams of the area at the time and mapped it out and placed peg leg where he said he was and showed that he would have had to have been able to look clear through a two-story house to see the barn so there's no way he could have seen that it was on fire from From where he said he was sitting so the fact that this guy confabulated all of this story Mm -hmm. suggests that he may have done it and probably what he did was he was visiting his mother's cow Decided to have a smoke afterward. And um, accidentally set the barn on fire. Yep. Uh, the lawyer, Richard Bales, is very understanding. He, he said it was probably an accident. But that once he saw that, he pretty much burned a third of the the city of Chicago down. Um, he just kind of kept his mouth shut and let Mrs. O'Leary take the fall. Yeah, once that rumor circulated, I'm sure he was like, yeah, 
That's how it went down, all right. Pretty crazy. I was there. Um, so I think I feel bad for the guy. He's there, probably starts this fire, probably gets out of hand and freaks out and, he and hobbles out of animals there. And the animals first before kind soul. And uh, in the end, they couldn't put out the fire for some of the reasons you talked about earlier, all the wood, mm-hmm. um, the dryness. There was a strong wind. Did you notice the strong wind when we visited Chicago? I don't know if they did, but it was strong, Josh. Um, 56 miles of wooden streets, 560 miles of wooden sidewalks, and uh, only about 200 firemen in the whole city. There was about a 16-acre fire the night before that they'd put out. Right. And um, Well, it had started the... They had fought it all through the night before and into the Sunday afternoon. Oh, okay. So most of these guys hadn't like eaten or slept in right. the fire the fire brigade. Damaged their equipment in some cases. Yeah. Um then some of the fire engines went to the wrong address to the begin with. Right. There was a guy whose job it was to look out for fires. Like he sat in a, a basically a crow's nest in the courthouse. Fire watcher. You're right. Yeah. And um he didn't see it for a while. He finally did, but he picked the wrong department to activate. Oh, really? Yeah, like the wrong like little segment that he was supposed to guess, and so some people went to the wrong place first, and it took uh-huh. a little while to correct it, so there was some confusion. So that happened, too. And then uh, apparently the fire destroyed the building that housed the water pumps for the city, <laughs> yeah. and then they tried to get water from Lake Michigan, and that didn't work out so well. And uh, all these things added up to... The third biggest fire disaster in the nation's history. And like you said, the Lunkhead idea of connecting the the wooden buildings with wooden streets and wooden sidewalks. Yeah. That, I think, fell out of fashion pretty quick after the Chicago fire. I bet. And people smoking on the streets and, well, that probably didn't fall and out of fashion. Keeping two tons of hay and two tons of coal. <laughs> and apparently it uh, burned, what, through the following evening? And then, thankfully, it finally rained and that helped put it out. And that is a great Chicago fire. Well, you want to hear an irony of it all? I'd love to. The O'Leary house was spared. No way. Yep. It was not burned. So it just took off in one direction and uh, from the so. from the barn? Yeah. And now um, the O'Leary's house, the the house they rent to the McLaughlin's, William White's house, all that stuff is gone. Sure. And on, in its place is the Chicago Fire Department's training academy. And they have a Maltese cross on the floor. Um, they have a cross on the floor uh, that marks the spot where the barn stood. Oh, I thought you were going to say like a CVS. No. Yeah. No, it's very appropriately. It's the fire department. Did they do that there on purpose? I believe so. Okay. That would have just been too much of a coincidence. <laughs> exactly. And then Mrs. O'Leary really did not like the, well, she didn't like the limelight. I got the impression anyway, but she really didn't like being, you know, treated like this horrible person. Yeah. And she was not shy about taking a broom to people like reporters who came to her doorstep. And um, she also chased off a representative of P.T. Barnum's. Oh, really? And he sent somebody to go offer a job traveling with his circus. As like the the scapegoat? For I, the, I guess, yeah. They would bring out a cow and her. and Oh, no. I, we forgot to mention she had a pretty healthy beard. So, what? <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's like, man, she's in the wrong line of work. Um yeah, it would have gone right up with the uh, with the fire. Her house was spared, but her beard burned off. Yeah, that's good. So yeah, that's the Chicago fire. Um, you said she was exonerated, right? Yeah, she was exonerated officially. Thanks to in, Richard Bale's work. Yeah, 1997. And um, I had something else. Oh, I, I think it's just remarkable that 
Did you have the number at 300 people died? Mm-hmm. I've seen varying accounts, but that's the max that I've heard. And it's just amazing that that much of the city burned and 18,000 18, buildings burned down. Yeah. Like you hear about a fire today that hits like three buildings on a block in a city. And it's a huge deal. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised only 300 people died. Yeah. It's pretty remarkable. I mean, that's a lot, but I'm surprised it wasn't, you know, like 5,000 people. They always say God loves Chicago. Yeah. Except when it comes to the Cubs. Yeah, that's true. Uh, if you want to learn more about Mrs. O'Leary, her cow, the Great Chicago Fire, fires in general, anything, you can type whatever you want into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. Uh, I said search bar, and that is time for listener mail. Up, uh, but first. Hey there, are you thirsty? Well, before you take a sip, have you stopped to think about what's in your water? Many conventional bottled waters contain PFAS, harmful substances known as forever chemicals. But you can drink water as clean as nature intended. Richard's rainwater collects 100% pure, refreshing drops of rain. Yes, it really is rain, everybody. This rain is caught clean before it hits the ground or becomes polluted with pesticides and contaminants commonly found in groundwater. Yep, Richard's rainwater is naturally pure with no need for harsh chemicals or additives. That means no added fluoride, no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. And you can enjoy the clean taste of Richard's still rainwater and the long-lasting cold-pressured bubbles of Richard's sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And we even have a special offer, don't we, Josh? Yeah, text STUFF to 2512-928887 and you'll get $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's rainwater. Sip the sky. Hey there, everybody. Here's some bonus stuff you should know. This time, it's about traveling to Orlando for business. Orlando has tons of places to host your conferences and meetings. Dr. Michael Edwards, CEO of Ocean Insight, said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when the day is done, you can kick off each evening at one of 46 Michelin-rated restaurants. What's not to love? So check out Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. Okay, listener mail. Josh, I'm going to call this a fish called ganja. You're getting pretty good today with those. I appreciate that. Hey, guys, I'm a tender of bar in the fair city of New York, and one of my regulars turned me on to your podcast a few uh, short months ago. He even gave the guy's name, but I'm not going to read it. It's so funny when they put it like that, like, hey, man, turn me on to that podcast. Yeah, like in a back alley. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Since then, I've been playing catch up and listening to as many episodes as I can on a daily basis to quench my thirst for knowledge. I currently live near Philly with my wife and new daughter, uh, but I sling drinks in New York. Uh, Before I'd been turned on to y'all, I dreaded my two-hour commute. Now I look forward to it. And I've managed to listen to 192 episodes. Nice. In a few months. That's some dedication. That's hardcore. Uh, Several years ago, my uncle decided to purchase a new saltwater aquarium and ended up purchasing an enormous 150-gallon unit. 
He bought the tank online from a reputable website, but to save money, he purchased most of the accoutrements, including lighting, fish, coral, and plant life from a local pet store. Uh, This is where it gets good, because the lighting he purchased was a special type of lamp, also very commonly used in grow houses. Hmm. He must have been flagged by the DEA at the moment of sale, uh, because about a month later, after the tank was finished on a Tuesday evening, my uh, uncle, my aunt, and three cousins, all under the age of seven, were sitting down to dinner. In an instant, six fully armed DEA agents burst into the house, oh my God. including the front door, back door, and from the garage, and proceeded to scream things along the lines of, on the floor, hands behind your head. Uh, they even held my uh, aunt and uncle at gunpoint while they looked around the house. After searching from top to bottom, realizing they'd made a huge mistake, they calmly apologized and left. I'm not 100% sure if the lawyers were involved, uh, but I believe my family received a handsome compensation for the mistake. I'll bet. And that is from Ben, the bartender, and he has a hookup for us in New York if we want to have an event at a bar. Nice. Hanging on to that email. We need to do that again sometimes. I know. We miss you, New York. All of our work travel has been on the West Coast. Yeah. Um, In a certain other city. Yeah. Yeah. so let's see. What else? What, what, what? I can't top that. I can't. Send send your other misinformed DEA <laughs> stories. How about uh, any anyone that has any Chicago fire? Like I always wondered about the O'Learys if their family line continued. Oh, yeah, lore. Yeah, so if, we, lore. if you have any family members that Good had one. anything to do with the Chicago fire, we'd love to know about it. I don't even know why I'm here anymore. <laughs> you just take it, Chuck. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold-pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. In Puerto Rico, there's adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the U.S. Get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico and that remind you why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island, it becomes a part of you. No passports required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.